Namaste and welcome to the Bharatvarta podcast. I'm Roshan Karyappa. We have we Prof. have Sir Shamika Ravi on the podcast today to discuss what our policy response should be in what is now the third year of the pandemic. Professor Ravi is a senior fellow at the Brookings Institute and a former member of the Economic Advisory Council to the Prime Minister of India, and is also one of the most recognized people in developmental economics wow. today. Welcome to the podcast, ma'am. Great to have you back on Bharatvarta. Thank you, Roshan. Thank you for the opportunity. And uh, also, congratulations on the new role at the ORF. Yes, no, I'm very excited. Wonderful. Uh, so, ma'am, when we last spoke in August of 2020, and I asked you for some sort of an exit timeline out of the pandemic, uh, I think you mentioned a year and half to two years, uh, yeah. and uh, you know we're we're almost at the year and half mark. What is your assessment of the current situation right now? So, um, well, Russian, in the beginning, I remember when we spoke last, it was just around you know the first wave was sort of getting yeah. over. uh there was palpable fear there was great degree of uncertainty i think today we know the nature of the beast yeah. uh, of course uh, it is still a highly uncertain and evolving uh, virus so the situation remains dynamic but i think uh there is greater degree of clarity on uh, what the policy response should be i think in terms of the public health infrastructure itself there has been great degree of bolstering i think at all levels uh in a place like india where uh, you know traditionally we have uh, we have struggled with public health infrastructure i think as far as uh, covid is concerned i think district administrations uh, block administrations almost throughout the country now have a set protocol uh, people are far more aware uh so it is a it is a known beast now it is no longer as unknown uh and we are seeing this in the form of uh, you know if you look at various high frequency data you are seeing that there is recovery there is movement of people you are unlikely to see uh, major lockdowns even at state levels so definitely uh, it is getting more familiar and therefore more manageable right yeah i think uh, as of today there have been about 3.17 lakh new cases uh and you know we're we're in the grip of this third wave the omicron variant uh any specific thoughts on this particular wave and the variant as such the thought is really you know as an economist we are we are reading up uh, what the virologists are telling us uh and the data emerging from most country is that it's of course very highly transmissible uh in fact even our uh, current numbers i think are not really depicting what the true extent of yeah. the infection is uh, much worse than in the initial case because contact tracing then was um, uh, you know it it was quite strong and and we had a good sense because uh, whenever people had symptoms tests were being pushed today if you look at the icmr protocol roshan uh, the understanding is the seventh day you know you are fine Uh, in fact yeah. the follow up testing of also uh, coming negative and then out of isolation etc even that has been done away with so i think um, uh, this variant we know is highly transmissible from the all likes of it though and i don't know if virologists will agree but the data seems to suggest hospitalization is not as severe right. uh, and therefore uh, the severity of the infection itself uh is is not as bad as uh, it was in the first two waves so clearly i think uh, uh, we are moving at least as far as the literature on uh, evolution you know you know evolutionary biology seems to suggest that the virus is also mutating to become less deadly perhaps more transmissible and that it is but less deadly so that it survives so it is a it's a war between mankind and uh, and the virus and uh, and a lot of hard work on behalf of every you know the scientists governments uh, people at large it's sometimes amazing how 
in a country like India, uh, we have not seen you know, major uh, pushback against mandates, against vaccines, against masking. Yeah. Uh, so, so no, I think uh, much better today uh, than we were before. Yeah. No, uh, I think, you know, in India, especially, I think the anecdotes precede the data, right? Uh, so we haven't seen as many hospitalizations for sure. And people seem to have a more casual attitude, I think. I wouldn't say casual, but at least, I mean, they, they, they understand the virus. I mean, as you mentioned, uh, not as much of the testing also. Um, you know, in this entire period, I think one of our biggest successes uh, has been our rate of vaccinations, right? Uh, and, you know, we've always been famously short of state capacity. And in fact, I mean, any, any, any forum would always bemoan that uh, lack of state capacity. But we've crossed the 150 crore vaccine doses in roughly a year's uh, mark, right? So what did we really get right on that front? And uh, more importantly, what is it that we can adopt um, from that experience elsewhere? Well, the, it was an unusual uh, circumstance. I think uh, uh, as far as vaccination is concerned, number one, I think what really worked to our benefit is the fact that we already have, as on a regular basis, vaccination is a way of uh, life, uh, even at the highly localized level. Mostly, of course, it is children's vaccination, but we've had very large successful campaigns. Uh, and people are aware, a lot of public uh, communication on vaccination has been traditionally well received in almost every part of the country. We've had some areas where there have been pushbacks, but even uh, uh, there, it is not the kind of pushback that you are seeing, uh, for instance, like you're seeing in the US and, and you know, certain other countries. Uh, so I think the familiarity with vaccination itself uh, has worked to our benefit, uh, you know, as far as people's general acceptance of vaccines is concerned. Uh, the second is, of course, the capacity, the Indian uh, pharmaceutical, the capacity of industry to produce at scale uh, vaccines. Uh, initially, of course, before second wave hit us, uh, we were also exporting very large amounts because those were our uh, early commitments, et cetera, our commitments to WHO, COVAX, et cetera. I think uh, all in all, uh, it is the industrial, you know, the capacity of the private sector to produce at scale and people's willingness to accept. Uh, and the state, of course, the state administration using, mustering all its capacity uh, and, and making vaccination a, a very focused, high priority uh, at all levels has worked uh, to our benefit. Uh, but also, Roshan, I think it is largely on the back of successful vaccination drive that you are seeing also the kind of economic forecasts that we are seeing within and outside the country. In fact, um, uh, you know, the second wave was very devastating. You know, the Delta wave was ex you know, exceptionally devastating. Like in every country, for us also, it was very bad. But if that was happening simultaneously with the vaccination drive unfolding. So despite a Delta wave, uh, we saw the forecasts, the economic forecast, quarter on quarter, remain uh, considerably high. India remained one of the, you know, the forecasts have been until now, the fastest growing uh, you know, economy in the world. And it is largely thanks to the vaccination. Right. Uh, there are also two other facets, right? I mean, one is the whole public-private partnership uh, 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 that we saw, right? And it worked like clockwork on the ground, really. And uh, also the technology interventions, uh, you know, uh, whether it was the app and, and and so on, right? I mean, those things as well could be, you know, measures that we could emulate in uh, other policies in other spheres as well, right? 
Ha. So I didn't address that part of uh, your question, uh, but you're right. I think this becomes like a, a prototype. I think if we have done this successfully uh, in uh, in the current vaccination drive, clearly this technology and this uh, you know this uh, network can be used for uh, other perhaps health interventions. The fact that for now for decades we have agreed, and at least in the last five to seven years, we have definitely seen a willingness to ramp up uh, not just government expenditure on healthcare, but uh, more so in the uh, localized primary health center, actual, uh, you know, the, the point of touch uh, between a citizen and the public health infrastructure of a country. So primary health centers, the, the creation of wellness centers, which were traditionally called sub-centers, you know, all of that uh, seems now to be uh, possible. It doesn't seem like uh, a distant dream that if uh, resources are made available, then the manpower can be mustered. Of course, now you don't want to make healthcare sound so simplistic. It's not like just, you know, giving, administering a vaccine. Uh, primary healthcare strengthening means that at a highly localized level, we also need the manpower. Uh, and there, I think uh, uh, we have definitely seen that some states have come out much better than the other. Uh, the fact that even the states which have traditionally struggled with public health were able to do this in vaccination tells us that if perhaps we make healthcare a high priority, which, which I think we should, this pandemic is really a wake-up call that um, we don't want to hold the entire economy hostage. Uh, to something like this uh, on a continued basis for such a long time. You know, we are we are still a low middle-income country. So to to live in uncertainty and for, for um, uh, this pandemic to wreak an economic havoc in the form of loss of uh, you know, jobs and, and generally livelihood and economic slowdown, I think, um, uh, you know, having a strong healthcare sector becomes a, a you know, sort of an insurance against uh, those kind of shocks. So, so yes. One of the other uh, positive spin-offs from this has been the whole consumerization of healthcare, right? I mean, we, we saw like, for example, these antigen tests, uh, other kind of test kits and, and so on. And then, you know, there were people, um, you know, selling immunity kits and, and, and whatnot. And for a company, uh, for a country as large and as complex as us, where, you know, last mile, uh, you know, might, might not really, uh, might not be possible by the state itself. Right. And, uh, uh, these kind of innovations are really important and necessary. Uh, how do you see that panning out uh, going into the future? Well, there is no substitute to having strong immunity, uh, Roshan. That is clearly something that no doctor will uh, will dispute. And uh, and India has traditionally had very robust traditional, you know, sort of medicine uh, sector as well, which have coexisted along with uh, uh, allopathy. Uh, unfortunately, until a few years back, our uh, uh, understanding and therefore the reform, the government intervention uh, was very much limited to allopathy. So understanding of public, you know, health policy was mostly, uh, it had to do with regulation of allopathy. Uh, but the fact that we have a very, you know, a comprehensive, a very large Ayurvedic sector, uh, you know, uh, then of course there are other sort of versions, variants, you have uh, Siddha and, and uh, you know, homeopathy, etc. Uh, I don't exactly know the science of those, but I know, at least as far as Ayurveda is concerned, that uh, we have had very successful experiments across states in how to bridge this gap. 
So for instance, uh, you know, in Hong Kong or many parts of China, traditional Chinese medicine coexists uh, along with allopathy and modern medicine. And I think a large part of policy has to be about making that, uh, you know, that seamless for individuals. So, uh, you know, everyone drinks, uh, uh, you know, ginger and, uh, you know, takes lemon and honey and so on. But, uh, and these are all grandmothers. I mean, we're all, we know this from our uh, yeah. grandparents and so on. But states also have been, some states have been very proactive in the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, Kerala, Tamil Nadu, etc. You know, they started sending out kits. And these were Ayurved kits. Now, uh, but, you know, that is the reality of how the society is structured and all that is wonderful. That they are not a substitute for vaccine is a separate issue. And that must be, and I think yeah. people know that already. People in India have been quite accepting of the science, right? Unlike in many of the richer parts of the world. But I think the effort has to be to continue to uh, make a traditional medicine more scientific, right? So by scientific, I mean better documentation, uh, better perhaps randomized control trials, using some of the gold standards for scientific methods, so making them more acceptable and, and uh, also better regulated. I think a large part of the traditional medicine, you know, that sector suffers from poor understanding, poor documentation. Uh, and I think that is where I think state uh, must intervene. And the whole idea of Ayush is exactly that. Right. Uh, but again, the pandemic has uh, sort of uh, uh, made it very clear that, that we need traditional medicine, right? boosting immunity is highly, you know, it's a sustainable sort of response uh, to longer term uh, healthcare challenges. Right. Uh, so right now we're seeing very varying responses from different states uh, to the current situation itself, right? So where I am right now, Bangalore, I mean, we have a weekend curfew, uh, hopefully okay. not, not for too long, but uh, we have a weekend curfew and then uh, uh, shutdowns after 10 p.m. and so on, right? Okay. Um, I, I, again, I mean, I think these are stopgap measures and uh, people are being cautious, governments are being cautious, uh, not too paranoid, but just cautious. Uh, what what do you think the response should be at this point of time? Would you advocate for such things or do you think that the government should kind of put the onus on people to sort of take uh, precautions and like, you know, go about their uh, business? No, I think there is a role for them. I mean, remember, these are uh, these infectious. Infectious disease means there is huge externality. So it cannot be left to individual judgment alone. What are you going to do if your neighbor, for instance, uh, behaves irresponsibly? You're not going to be able to enforce. So that is the whole role of uh, the government uh, when you have these kind of externalities. You cannot completely privatize responses. Right? There is a larger coordination effort that is required in society. So government has a role. But I think... Uh, the responses are best left to highly localized level. Uh, you know, different uh, uh, governments, uh, perhaps resident welfare associations, colonies, etc., uh, need to figure out what is best for them. But of course, the idea is to also contain and not, you know, not let the infection spread uh, too much. Uh, and uh, you know, towards that, you know, the weekend lockdown, uh, night curfews, the scientific basis for that is, of course, very limited. I mean, you wonder that, you know, the, clearly the virus isn't active only at night. I agree. But uh, if people are hanging out more in the weekends and weekend is when they are going out and uh, uh, mingling, then it seems like a reasonable response to try and limit that. But Roshan, I mean, you have to also look at the impact that is having on the livelihoods. Uh, you know, the MSME sector, whether it is, you know, whether it's retail and particularly unorganized retail sector is uh, is under is you know, it's reeling under the yeah. pressure 
of repeated these kind of interventions. And now I've heard today that Delhi has imposed odd even on top of that. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it, it does, you know, the cost, the economic cost of having these policies is quite severe. And I think, uh, you know, we have still, you know, we have not, uh, uh, in terms of even consumption, we have not gone back to the pre-pandemic level. So, yeah. uh, uh, you know, th th these are huge concern. I think uh, knee-jerk reaction is not the way to uh, go yeah. ahead. I think scientific basis would be better. No, yeah, I mean, that's a very important point, right, which is that we have a significant services economy, so many MSMEs, and these continuous interruptions means that, you know, uh, many livelihoods are uh, affected. And at this point of time, uh, you know, it's it's a very tough uh, bargain for them, right? I mean, what to choose. Uh, but Roshan, I'll tell you, the credibility is also at stake right now. You see, parties which are imposing forms of uh, restrictions in, in one part of the country, they are the ones going out and uh, holding big rallies, elections in other part of the country. So the, you see the credibility of a lot of these uh, policy re responses are also now, you see, over time, you're only going to dilute the credibility. People are going yeah. to start questioning. Yeah. That is, I mean, that is the natural evolution of how uh, people's response to these interventions. Uh, that election commission, of course, has come out and said no campaigning and so on and so forth. But the, the, the you know, public at large is also seeing that parties which are imposing lots of restrictions in Delhi are very happily holding election rallies and meeting and without mask and so on and so forth in other parts. So I think um, credibility, I think, is at stake. And, right. and then you will see people, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, violate these restrictions. And then, then it becomes coercive and, and then we are talking unrest of a different kind. Yeah. Right. Uh, what do you make of the communication uh, and the narrative uh, from the government itself? I, I think any large program, I think, you know, 50% of the battle is just purely communication, right? Uh, and I think on that front, you know, we've, we've done a lot of things right, I feel, um, you know, whether it was the lockdowns early on or even as late as, uh, you know, the, uh, the talk by the Prime Minister on the boosters, right? Uh, yeah. Being just optional, just, uh, you know. Uh, even those made it seem like, you know, what you have is not insufficient. Uh, you may take this at a later point of time. Again, very stark contrast to, you know, how it was communicated, uh, uh, let's say in the US, right? Where the Pfizer guy said that, you know, hey, I mean, you'll require a booster every year or something of that sort. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think uh, one thing where we might have come out um, uh, more pragmatic is, is the fact that you know, India has uh, traditionally, right from the beginning of the pandemic, refrained from this herd mentality response, like this herd response to the pandemic. I think we have done many things right, of course, not everything right. We have we have also, you know, at state and center level, we could have done more. But, you know, every country today is in the same position. On a hindsight, you believe that we could have done many things right. But I think not uh, blindly, you know, following this out better being more pragmatic uh, rather than you know just following the west uh, whether it was you know the 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 vaccination uh, the way we went about it communication i think is a very important part and uh, uh, i think this is where the prime minister of course leads from the front and he's he's a you know a communicator par excellence but i think you know it has to obviously go beyond him and it has gone beyond him local leaders have also been very vocal uh, I think, you know, every state, most states, I can't say every, but most states have had leaders who are, who are, uh, uh, you know, who, who, who want to uh, 
do the right thing and many of them have have taken their public along now issues of data you know in the sense the death data you know the reconciliation of the data uh the general sense that india is hiding i think uh, uh you know if if you understand the the way data infrastructure is in india you will appreciate more that look it's a matter of time data reconciliation is already happening several states have already you know done a fair bit of it and you are going to see more and more of it because that is the nature of a democracy there is uh, you know the the more scrutiny there will be and as systems you know have their time and take their time that kind of aggregation happening uh, you are going to you know obviously see that number rise uh but uh i don't think there is a you know some grand conspiracy being hatched to uh, show numbers lesser than what they are or or you know it is just the way uh, you know that is unfortunately the gap in india's data architecture but roshan on the other you know as far as communication is concerned i do think we could do more also i think it's very important to be humble and realize that look we have more data i mean we are thinking uh, you know we have collected data on vaccination so it would be nice to just tell people how many breakthrough hospitalization cases there are and presumably there are few breakthrough infections are quite rampant and that we know that uh, omicron uh, is is spreading rapidly even amongst the vaccinated but the data from other countries are you know it's telling us that hospitalization amongst the vaccinated is relatively much smaller than the unvaccinated now this is where i think we should show our own data we should analyze our own data and that data exists in the government system somewhere right and it's a part of communication like we need to put in a few hours of analysis and and talk about it so communication can be even better but uh, clearly so far so good but all of this also makes the case for the electronic health records and uh, the health stack and everything right which again will uh you know amplify whatever you're saying basically yeah right no no definitely but that is already underway i mean you are seeing that uh, across state the health stack is uh, is getting populated almost on an hourly basis with different uh, components uh so no i think uh, enough has been written on on how uh, this uh, the pandemic has also you know sort of accelerated this transition uh towards uh, you know health records and unified health records so that data is uh, you know portable and so on and so forth and remember these are not just data concerns you know are technical concerns at the end of the day households or you know people uh, uh, because they don't have digi lockers where they health lockers where they save this kind of data they are constantly having to do tests the diagnostics are repeated first at the local level then you go to the capital then you go to delhi or bombay or wherever and the dis economies or the you know the rising cost because we have fragmented which raises the out of pocket burden uh, on on indian households so all of this is uh, obviously meant to uh, improve um, uh, care but uh, but also it reduces the health burden so when we look at uh, some of the economic indicators right i mean whether it's exports or gst collections uh, and recently we had the gdp data and everything i mean we, we see that you know i mean the, the positive obviously the gdp i think was 9.2 something but on a lower base rate but um, how do you think we can sustain uh, some kind of an economic revival uh, you know from here on well clearly i think the focus has to go back to jobs roshan i think growth is uh, an outcome of the policy interventions that we want to have growth is not uh, something that you do uh, the job market the labor market has been disrupted and, uh, 
the PLFS data, the latest rounds, when you begin to look at it, and especially if you look at the unit level, it tells you that uh, uh, different categories have suffered differently. So I think understanding of that becomes important to think of what is the appropriate policy response. That while casual labor, whom we have focused a great deal on, have uh, lost jobs, uh, if you look at the number of you know, working hours and earnings, uh, you have seen huge disruption amongst the self-employed as well. In fact, if you look at the PLFS data, you're seeing that overall inequality uh, seems to have come down, you know, uh, but that is not something you cheer because you understand that wars typically do that. Every time you've had big wars, inequality has come down because this is like a huge aggregate shock. Uh, so COVID has been like a war. It has had similar impact on uh, different uh, quartile, you know, the quintiles of the uh, population. Uh, and the job market has also, you know, sort of seen very different response. So I think focus on jobs becomes very important. But um, uh, again, I keep saying that the pathway of economic recovery, Roshan, lies through the healthcare sector. It is very clear if you're seeing what vaccination has done for economic recovery. So similarly, you know, if we are, we have a certain assurance that uh, uh, this much of public health infrastructure is available for COVID or at the local level, even if it is not dedicated for COVID, our public health infrastructure at the localized level is, has been uh, bolstered. I think that assurance goes a long way, uh, you know, towards taking risks and economic sort of activities and people moving back, you know, going back to their lives uh, and going back to uh, sort of normalcy. Uh, but the government's role in this, of course, is, uh, huge focus on uh, capex the infrastructure and that is so basically there will be my sense is a continuum of what we saw in the last budget we are going to see more of that the government has to uh, sort of continue spending uh, perhaps more uh, but the consumption remember we are still below pre-pandemic level so i think consumption support uh, in some form has to come in i think there must be uh, you know that recognition right uh, and do you think India's export growth is sustainable in the coming years or, you know, I mean, what do we have to do on that front? Anything specific? You know, we'll have to, uh, uh, you know, some people, when we think, when we hear talks and when, when we, when uh, we talk about Atmanirbhar Bharat, declining import is not necessarily a good thing because a lot of our exports uh, depend on imports of the raw materials. The most obvious example is the pharmaceutical sector. So, uh, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, the global economy and the way things pan out vis-a-vis -vis China, uh, you know, you're seeing the European Union, the Green Deal, or the new, new kinds of policies uh, uh, being hatched, uh, will, all of that is going to have an impact on our exports as well. But I do think that, uh, uh, you know, we must, uh, you know, as a country to realize our uh, uh, sort of a true potential in the export, we have to get into more uh, uh, trade agreements. I think we we have we have done the legwork and then you know we have shied away from clinching the deal. Uh, so I think there must be a push towards uh, you know that. Right. Uh, as someone who looks at a lot of the gender data as well, 
um do you think that the uh, pandemic has had an asymmetric response uh, you know when it comes to men and women because i, I think just yeah, again purely anecdotally i think you know women have had to shoulder more responsibility right i mean they're they're at home and uh, caring for the sick and uh, and so on and so forth what, what do you think on that front well the pandemic has uh, definitely had a highly asymmetric response uh, you know impact on women russian that seems to uh, be continuously uh, sort of uh, reinforced from different data one is of course the vaccination itself that we still have a gender gap as far as vaccination is concerned and this is happening in almost every state right barring andhra there are one or two states uh, but every other state has a significant gender gap now the important thing is that it's an infectious disease so if there are going to be unvaccinated vulnerable women in the household it is going to come back to you as well because immunity i mean we know that uh, the vaccines also the antibodies there is waning of it and and so on and so forth so i think uh, one is on the vaccination front now that is not because of policy of course policy could be more proactive and for women maybe we need a renewed push or a strategy to get more women vaccinated um, but beyond that if you look at the fact that work from home uh, work from home gets very challenging uh, for women because uh, while traditionally they have Uh, shouldered a lot of the household responsibilities particularly when it comes to children the pandemic has obviously aggravated that now again not so much indian data but uh, data from the us and and uh, some some parts of europe seems to suggest that women are uh, struggling much more with mental health issues you know uh, there are all kinds of um, uh, you know problems uh, which they are uh, which they are reporting uh, because of the pandemic and, and work from home right uh and finally i mean uh, for some crystal gazing uh, where do we go from here i mean if you were to look uh, out into the future maybe a year two years from now uh what do you see happening you know i think the the i think the pandemic is on its way out it is becoming something we are more more familiar with we are learning we have you know in the beginning when we said uh we have to learn how to live with the virus it sounded terrible and extremely cruel but today that is what it is uh, we are living with the virus and we're trying as best as i you know we can uh to to do everything to to optimize uh but i'll tell you more in the you know from the economy perspective russian i i think i think uh, the next few years we'll see the realization of india's uh, ambition as far as the whole um, you know the esg slash the environment the, the climate change vision uh, that that india has embarked upon or wants to uh, uh, sort of uh, do right it is not just the transition from uh, uh, you know coal towards uh, uh, renewable and you know sort of uh, uh, cleaner energy but it's not just the energy transition you are going to see uh, emergence of uh, you know and whole financial sector uh, where i think uh, you know the case will be made that you know if we attract right financing uh, india's transitioning uh, to cleaner fuel we'll see the world uh, trend, you know transforming to uh, you know sort of cleaner uh, future so i think uh, the next couple of years we are going to see heightened uh, interest in every aspect of the economy on this climate change this you know cleaner transition uh, and of course the focus will continue to remain on healthcare and everything related to healthcare because no country till date has reduced its healthcare yeah. expenditure so for us it is a it's an opportunity globally that uh, we 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 are uh, you know in a position to fill that uh, larger demand 
uh, for uh, uh, manpower in the healthcare sector, for IT support in the healthcare sector globally. As the world is aging uh, with pandemic, it is like a double whammy. So the costs are much higher. And I think India, for India, it becomes a growth opportunity that we can tap into that. Right. All right. That's a great note to end the podcast on, ma'am. Thank you again uh, for being on Bharat Varta. This was a fascinating conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Roshan. Thank you for having me. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Bharat Varta podcast. If you want to see more content like this, then don't forget to subscribe to our channel. We started Bharat Varta to facilitate long-form discussions on politics, policy, and culture. We don't necessarily endorse anything that was said in this episode. If you wish to offer us feedback, do reach out to us on social media. We are at Bharat Varta on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You could also get in touch with us on our website, www.bharatvarta.in. The links are in the description below. Until next time, stay safe, take care, and jai.